This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True True Crime New England. England. What's up, everybody? Hello, welcome back to another episode. So glad to have you here. Katie and I were just talking about how much we love all of you and are so thankful that Thursdays maybe mean a little something to some people just because of us. Yeah. Isn't that nice? I know they mean something to me. Oh, that was kind of cute. Thanks. Because like, well, like same. (laughs) I love, I love when Thursdays happen because we can share this project Mm. with everyone and it's just nice. And even if we don't get to spend Thursdays together, Liz, we're spending Thursdays together. That's right. Truly in our hearts, we are always together. Always. Amen. Right, Ladybug? My cat is currently sitting on Katie, and uh, all the love is happening today. It's it's not Valentine's Day, but it sure does feel like it. (laughs) No, not actually at all. But we're just chilling and... uh, Our case today is so awful that it'll make you feel the opposite of Valentine's Day. If there was a hate day, that would be it. Yes, especially between two people who had a life together and who had love and marriage and children together. I mean, the whole thing is just very tragic. And it's really sad how someone can do this to another person who you shared a life with. I will never, ever, ever, ever understand the aspect of, like, familicides and murdering someone you're married to or were married to. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Maybe it's because I've never been married. Maybe once I have a husband, I'll understand it. (laughs) But right now, I just don't get it. I just don't. No, I can't. And it's not a normal thing to do. I mean, obviously. Right. Like, you really are psychologically disturbed if that's the solution in your head that you think to get rid of that person that you suddenly hate. Yeah. That is crazy to me. And the details in this case are pretty horrific. It's just really sad to think about. Yeah. And it's especially sad. I think, you know, part of the reason we do this is because of the proximity and kind of showing like in small towns, it can happen anywhere. And this case takes place in Stratum, New Hampshire, which is um, where we grew up, mm-hmm. essentially. So when it's such a, so close to home, it just kind of hits you a little harder. And that kind of just affects you a little more. And I think that's part of the way that we do this podcast, you know. So reading the details about this is just, it's horrific, really. That being said, our case today, obviously, as you can tell from the title, is about a man named Seth Bader, who was evil, I think would be the best way to describe him. Evil, narcissistic, Mm -hmm. controlling, and just awful. Yeah. He also was a criminal defense attorney, so that really kind of paints a picture, too. Yeah. That someone who's supposed to be helping others in a situation like this ends up being the perpetrator. Yeah. And, I mean, 
I bet being a criminal defense lawyer kind of gave him a leg up on how to handle things, including his, you know, legal defense, but also maybe the crime he committed. Yes. And talking to police and his interactions around the whole thing for sure. Yes, absolutely. Huge thank you to Jen E who suggested this case to us via website. Also huge shout out and a big thank you to Phil Corey, Liz's dad, who also said we should cover this case. Yes. We talked about this. um, I mean, by way of mouth, you know, but And he's talked about it before. Like, for those of you who know, my dad is the reason why I love true crime. He's always talked to me about it at perhaps inappropriate ages. But all is well because I I always wanted to hear about it. And so I remember him talking about this when I was younger. But this case is just, like, it's so messed up. And especially when it happens in the town next to you, you know. Like, of course he remembered it. Of course he was there and saw, like, how awful it was and how much of an effect it had on like the community and things like that. So Jen, thank you for suggesting it. And dad, thank you as well. Cause it is looking into it. Oh boy. Yeah. Wow. It is brutal. Buckle so, up you guys. Yeah. Cause it's going to be quite an episode of a lot of very brutal, awful facts and harassment, which is just terrible. And without further ado today, we will be covering Seth Bader. Okay, to begin our episode, we will go over our sources. Katie, tell me what you got. I used AP News, Seacoast Online, FindLaw.com, and WMUR. Awesome. I used Case Mine, Seacoast Online, times two. Law Justia, my favorite, favorite website. Oh, they are just perfect. I love it. Donate to Law Justia. I don't know if you actually can, but try. AP News, South Coast Today, and also an article from the Associated Press. Katie, why don't you start us off today? Sure. 35-year-old Vicki Bader from Exeter, New Hampshire, was last seen on August 24th, 1996, dropping off her three-year-old son at her ex-husband Seth Bader's home in Stratum, New Hampshire. Eight months after her disappearance on April 10th, 1997, Vicky's body was found in a shallow grave along a remote hiking trail in Waterboro, Maine, which is about 55 miles away from her home. She had been shot in the head just a single time, and a .22 caliber gun was found nearby. Vicky's ex-husband, 37-year-old Seth Bader, was charged the next day with murder and a conspiracy to commit murder. Seth was a criminal defense attorney from Stratum, New Hampshire. He stated, quote, I'm pleading not guilty. I have no further comment. That's a pretty guilty statement, (laughs) honestly. And it sounds like a statement from something he's probably told other people to say. Absolutely. He even went so far as to say that Vicky killed herself. Mm -hmm. He told police that Vicky had a failed suicide attempt in 1994 when their marriage of three years ended. He claimed that she may have tried to harm herself again. Seth had the audacity to state, quote, whether or not she tragically succeeded finally, I don't know. Mm. I think adding the word tragically made it sound like he was trying to be like, oh, this is awful. But really, it's like, I know I I killed her. Right. And finally, finally, finally succeeded. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah, that's I think that kind of can be construed as a little differently. Yeah, that was a little Freudian slip in there, I think. Absolutely. Finally, she's finally dead. Yeah. Yikes. So let's get into a little bit about Seth and Vicky's history. 
So Seth Bader and Vicki Busby got married in May of 1991. Obviously, that's where Vicki got Bader as a lot. You guys understand how marriage works. Um, they got married in May of 1991 after dating for some time. In November of that same year, Vicky gave birth to twin girls, Katrina and Brindle, who unfortunately died the same day. Honestly, we don't know the circumstances. They might have been premature. They might have, I, I don't know, but they ultimately they died the same day. And no matter how evil someone is, that is pretty devastating. Yeah. That is awful. In August of 1993, a few years later, Vicky gave birth to the couple's only living biological child, Samuel. Shortly after the birth of their son, Seth and Vicky adopted Seth's distant cousins, Joseph and Matthew, who were both young boys at the time, younger than teenagers. Unfortunately, though, their marriage did not last, and Seth sought out divorce in May of 1994, not too long after they adopted those little boys. And... Their divorce became official just about a month later, which is pretty fast. Yeah. It might be because Seth was a lawyer and he had some connections. I don't know, but it was quick. In January of 1995, Vicky attempted suicide for the first time. She overdosed on pills, but she was found and she was revived. During this time, Vicky's doctor, who she had been seeing since July of 1992, visited her in the hospital and had an open conversation with her about her physical and mental health. Vicky told her doctor that her poor health had started because she had been battling Seth for custody of their three children. Vicky said that this dispute involved receiving harassing phone calls from Seth daily and in turn led her to overeat, not sleep, and pretty much lose all sense of self-esteem that she had. Which, understandably, this man, and we'll get into it, he was doing some awful stuff to her. And when you're fighting for custody of three kids that you, of course, love very dearly, that's very stressful. And I can see why maybe she would make that decision to try and kill herself because she was so upset and overwhelmed. Right. Especially if she's being harassed daily. Like, God only knows what he was saying to her over the phone, but clearly she was in fight or flight just constantly, and that is not a healthy or safe way to live. Absolutely not. So I'm not surprised that she was having health issues as a result. Of course. While she was hospitalized during that suicide attempt, Seth successfully requested and gained custody of their children. And I think it's most likely because he had the information, of course, that she tried to kill herself. Mm -hmm. She's unstable. I should have the children because I haven't tried to kill myself. My mental health is fantastic, you know. Unfortunately, in March of 1995, Vicky attempted suicide again just two months later. She was found and she was revived once more. And it was at this point that Seth, um, to say ramped up the harassment is probably light. He even, and he also continued to raised the intensity of the custody battle, attempting to actually provoke Vicky to be successful with her suicide attempts. At this point, he was, like, trying to get her to kill herself. And um, it was almost working. It was really almost working. And that alone is evil. Obviously, you know, well, we talked about it a little. He murdered his wife. But to try and get someone to kill themselves, how do you live with yourself? Right. And that should be an offense, too, because you are trying to get someone to invoke harm upon themselves. Of course. You are convincing someone to invoke harm upon themselves. There's another case like that out of Massachusetts. It's a huge one. Mm -hmm. um, there was just a TV series about it. Um, we'll probably cover it one of these days. Yeah. But yeah, there 
the perpetrator, she had told a boy who she had liked and they mm-hmm. had dated and all of that good stuff. Mm-hmm. She told him to kill himself and he did. And he did. And she's serving time for that. Yes. Which you should. Yeah, that's awful. So he is evil mm-hmm. and a piece of shit. We've very clearly established that. Yes. And we will keep establishing that because it does not become any less true as we go through this case. Absolutely. In fact, this is just the beginning. We established this. Seth was a lawyer, so obviously he knew a thing or two about law. So he was very easily able to legally attack Vicky, so much so that eventually he had her only getting seven hours a week of supervised visits with their son, Sam. Seven hours a week. That is ridiculous. That's less than a normal work shift for most American jobs. Right. That's ridiculous. And that's a week. Wow. To see her baby. He was like two, three at this time. And for the visits to be supervised too? Ridiculous. (sighs) And you know for sure he used the whole suicide attempts thing as like, oh, she could hurt him. Definitely. Which, no, when someone's suicidal, that does not mean they want to hurt anyone else. Okay? That's homicidal. Two different things. Just saying. So he also used this very vulnerable time to turn his adopted sons, Joseph and Matthew, who were, of course, old enough to at least comprehend the situation, to think poorly of Vicky, telling them that she was fat and that she was stupid. Which... Ouch. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it just kept building from there. Seth terminated the payments to Vicky's psychiatrist, which of course now meant that she did not have access to mental health, which obviously she needed the support. And then he also stopped paying her like financial support altogether, which of course meant she couldn't pay her legal fees. So now she was without mental health care and also without proper legal advisement to help get her sons back. He was a piece of flaming hot human garbage. The stinkiest kind. He's coming at her with every form of abuse aside from physical. Mental, verbal, emotional, financial. Yes. Wow. He was trying so hard and he was egging her on, Mm -hmm. egging her on, saying, I'm going to get this bitch to kill herself. And he was, the fact that he was dragging his son into it is evil. So manipulative, so narcissistic. You know that somebody is narcissistic when they bring their child into a situation like this. Because they will stop at nothing. Mm -hmm. And obviously this remains true for what he ended up doing. In January of 1996, Seth actually went to Vicky and said, maybe I would consider sharing custody, but you have to stop attempting to gain custody. And of course, Vicky was like, no way. I'm going to fight for my children, which can you blame her? Not at all. And so Seth didn't, he didn't really like this. And so to get back at her and probably send a message, Seth put more harassment into motion. He really stepped it up and honestly from the point he was already at it's pretty hard to get worse but somehow he managed yeah that same month january of 1996 vicky came home to find her beloved two pet parakeets roasting in a pan in her oven that 
was probably almost the worst fact for me while reading this case. How cruel? What did those fucking birds do to you, man? The worst part, I think, is that both of the birds had their necks snapped. So brutal. So senseless. That is a direct attack, a direct threat. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Just thinking about someone breaking into my home, breaking in, and harming my pet. Yeah. No matter what kind of pet. All bets are off. I am coming after you. It's over. (laughs) Say your fucking prayers, because I will be coming at you. And you know that I absolutely agree with that statement, because of the many animals we're currently surrounded by in Mm -hmm. my apartment. That, to me, is just like, when you attack, like, a pet... Or a child, that's personal because those are both two vulnerable populations. Defenseless. What could a parakeet do that would cause you to do that? What could a child do to cause you to do that? You know, like, that's just ridiculous. Ridiculous. A month later in February, Vicky came home to find the windows in her living room and one of the bathroom windows had been shot out with a BB gun. Jesus Christ. A month later in March, Vicky was going out to get her mail and found a pipe bomb in her mailbox that police had to come detonate. Yeah. Like, it was a real bomb. Like, it wasn't just like a, haha, I killed your parakeets. You know, this is my next... No, like, it was going to kill her. Legitimately a bomb. Like, attempted murder. In April, a stranger came to Vicky's front door and he told her she would be dead soon. In fact, he specifically said, quote, she would not live long enough to get custody of her baby. I wonder who, I wonder who sent you, sir. I I wonder who that could be. Who knows about the custody battle? Probably wasn't her PCP. (laughs) Probably wasn't her adopted sons that were older. No. Oh, could it be the man fighting for custody of his children? Weird. Maybe just a little coinkydink, you know? Yeah, it's very bizarre. Wrong house. Wrong house. Wrong house. Ridiculous. That alone, that's threat. That's a threat. Can't you be charged with threatening? I don't know. That's literally threatening that she will be killed. For all of these incidents, police identified Seth Bader as a suspect, and they even questioned him several times, but they never ended up charging him. I wonder, I wonder if this is because of his connections. It very well could be. It's something we're kind of seeing now or saw recently, like with the Murdaugh trials. If you are a lawyer, if you have connections, I'm not saying that Seth Bader had money. He probably had a little bit because of his job. But if you have connections like that and you have power, you can get away with things such as being accused of, you know, putting a pipe bomb in your ex-wife's mailbox or like murdering her parakeets. Look at Epstein. Right. And all of the people that he hung out with. Absolutely. None of them are being charged with anything. None of them are being investigated, targeted, serving time behind bars. Right. Everyone's just going about their business because how? How can you get someone with that amount of money and power and connections? You just can't. You just cannot. So I'm wondering too, if especially because Stratum is a pretty small town. It is. And it's also, not gonna lie, a little rich. Mm-hmm. It's a rich town. It's one of those ones, like, I grew up in Exeter, which is also a fairly rich town. But when all of our, you know, for, like, middle school and high school, when our towns came together, like, for school, Stratum was, like, the preppy, 
like, rich bitch Stratum town. was bougie. It's very bougie. So the fact that he kind of had a hold on his community as far as, like, power, that doesn't surprise me even a little. Definitely. Especially that he could get away with these harassments, which are absolutely ground for arrest. Right? The police had to come and detonate a pipe bomb. Not just like, oh, okay, don't worry about it, Vicky. Not throwing it in the woods and... Right. They had to call in professionals and securely detonate a bomb. Yes. You know, this this aspect kind of reminded me of a case we covered in episode 46. It was uh, the Burger King shooting, which, guys, go listen to it. Fantastic episode. Not to toot our own horns, but toot toot. And this guy was trying to kill his, his current wife. And he had put, like, I think it was six pipe bombs under her car. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you know, it didn't work. Like, she survived that. And... The pipe bomb thing just made me think of that because I think they knew it was him. They had an idea and he still got away with it. Having to detonate a bomb, having the threat of a bomb, that's a serious offense. So the fact that he kind of got off scot-free with it, not a fan. Totally agree. Not a fan. Both of them, these cases. But it's just like, anytime there's a bomb involved, that's just, you know, their intention is to inflict massive damage. So I think that that should be held more seriously. Clearly it was not. It was eventually. But somebody was charged for it. It was um somebody, I think his name was Sebastian. They ended up charging for it. Like, it wasn't Seth specifically. It was somebody who made it for him and planted it for him. But he ended up getting charged. So, but that, it was many, many years later. So that also kind of shows where this investigation was going. Mm. We've seen worse police work, but... They were clearly putting on their rose-colored glasses and being like, what? Sethi poo? No. (laughs) You know? And it's also pretty common where women are in this position of, oh my god, my husband, my boyfriend, my ex, Mm -hmm. whoever, is threatening me, threatening to harm me, threatening to kill me, Mm -hmm. telling me to kill myself. Mm -hmm. Usually in these instances... Police are not able to do much of anything right. unless this ex, this husband, whoever, actually kills the woman. Right. Which is stupid. Which is crazy. Right. But really threatening in a lot of these things, we often hear that it's not truly regarded as a crime. You could do a restraining order. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really do a whole lot no. in most cases. No. Really, the way that law enforcement get involved is to come investigate your murder once you've already been killed by the person you told the police would kill you. Yep. We see that constantly. All the time. So I really am not surprised that this woman was living every day for years in fear. Of course. And that her PCP was telling her, you know, you're having problems because of this. You're unhealthy. You're living in fight or flight. You're under so much stress. Yeah. it's It was so sad. So awful. Two weeks before his arrest, Seth was charged with making threats as well as a simple assault for pointing a gun at his 14-year-old son and grabbing him by the throat. Holy shit. Seth's living girlfriend, Mary Jean Martin, had filed a restraining order against him in January. Mary Jean said that Seth threatened to kill her if she talked to police about his missing ex-wife. So basically, 
all these red flags are popping up. It's like red flag central. And the police are still like, well, he's got another angry ex over here <laughs> filing a restraining order. Women. Right. Where's Seth finding all these crazy women? Oh, my God. And his son? It's not his actual son, so it makes sense that he's crazy, you know? Ugh, these adopted kids are the worst. Seth had told the Boston Globe that he and his ex-wife were nearing a truce, stating, quote, I was looking to negotiate with Vicky, and we were close to coming to terms when she, unfortunately, evaporated. Hmm, Seth, it's a little weird that you use the word evaporated. That's kind of uh, an interesting vocabulary word. Is there any reason why you would um use that word? Oh, oh, okay, it's just part of, okay. It's right. a lawyer talk. Mm, she went missing into thin air. She evaporated kind of like what you wanted that bomb to do to her when she was getting her mail. Oh, the bomb thing. That's right. The bomb. Right. He is just... An idiot? On a whole new level. Yeah. Investigation determined that Seth shot Vicky in Seth's stratum home after she dropped off the three-year-old. Seth also received help from others who kept his children away from the murder scene. Prosecutor Michael Ramsdell said one person, quote, hid in another room to make sure that if Seth Bader didn't kill Vicky Bader, that the co-conspirator would. This person was a man named Sandro Studo, who was hired as a backup shooter to kill Vicky in case Seth's shot missed Vicky. Which I think that tells you everything that you need to know. Either way, Vicky was going to die. That was their plan. Someone was going to kill her. And this is all premeditated. They're choosing this time he hired someone to be at the home yeah. for when Vicky dropped off the three-year-old as per their custody agreement. Yes. And had the other kids away, distracting, so that they were out of the picture and not exposed to this. And so there wouldn't be witnesses. 100%. That's literally premeditation mm -hmm. to the definition. It was actually Seth's adopted son and biological cousin, 14-year-old Joseph Bader, who led police to where Vicky's body was after he got into a fight with Seth. Yes, I think it was the whole, like, pointing a gun at him and grabbing his throat. And this was about eight months later, so I think what happened was Joseph snapped. His dad just threatened his life very, very blatantly. I think he was like, enough of this. I'm a, I'm a teenager. You've ruined my life. I'm going to go show you. This woman loved me. She cared about me. She treated me very well. She took me in as if I was her own child. Mm -hmm. She did not deserve this. And then he took the police to where she was buried. I think that was very brave of him because he, he knew that he was n never going to be a free boy again. Oh, for sure. And he knew that if his father found out he was going to tell police that his father would easily kill him too. So easily kill him. 100%. No remorse. No regret. When Seth's trial started, it's pretty obvious that they had kind of like a star witness, and that was Joseph, because he had been used as not really a scapegoat so much, but as a tool. He was forced to dig that grave in Waterboro. He was told to keep the other kids outside so they wouldn't be in to witness the murder. He was Basically, he had to help transport the body. He helped carry it to his dad's car. He helped bury it, etc., etc. So he was, without a doubt, the star witness mm -hmm. against his adopted dad slash biological cousin. It was a plea deal, you know, to kind of 
get him less of a sentence, which honestly, understandably, because it's very obvious he was coerced into this. It wasn't his choice. He wasn't like, let's do it. Let's murder this woman and get it over with. No. Right. He was 14. He was 14. So in December of 1997, Joseph agreed with the state to enter a plea to a juvenile delinquency petition. And then he admitted to helping Seth murder his adopted mom. At the start of Seth's trial in 1998, Joseph was still a teenager and got right up on that stand, and he, so brave, and he told exactly what had happened, what was going on. Originally, Joseph's testimony was actually pushed back, so he was supposed to testify, like, this certain time, and it was pushed back a week because one of Seth's lawyers approached the judge privately and claimed that Joseph had been, quote, cruising the internet and looked up how to kill people and to build bombs. That was his claim. And they also claimed that he had been accused of sexually assaulting a girl at school. Now, none of this has been corroborated, at least not that I could find. And it seemed like it was more of just like a defense lawyer is trying to be like, whatever we can do to discredit this witness, because he's going to take you down. Let's pretend like he's an unruly teenager who's horny and sexually motivated to do awful crimes, etc., etc., Really, that's not necessarily true. At least, again, there's no evidence to back that up. So it's like, um, okay. When he was finally able to get up on the stand, he ended up testifying against his adopted father for four trial days. So he really gave the whole story. And it sounds like the whole truth. Yeah. Ultimately, what Joseph said happened, to kind of sum it up, was that Seth and his girlfriend... Mary Jean Martin previously planned on killing Vicky together and hired previously mentioned Sandro Studo to help with both murder and also disposing of her car. And so Joseph also said his job was to keep his younger brother outside distracted while the murder took place. Again, eliminating any possible witnesses. And then, of course, Joseph told the story of coming on to the crime scene and what he saw. Joseph also said that after the murder, he was called back into the house because he was outside keeping the three-year-old away, keeping the other kids away. Mm -hmm. He saw Seth come out of the basement with a rifle barrel and spent casing. He also was made to help clean up the blood mm -hmm. and bring and bury Vicky's body at the predetermined spot where they had previously dug the grave. Yeah. On their way home, they went shopping for new clothes. Yeah, that's weird, right? That's, that's not great. No, that's not awesome. Prosecution showed records of Seth's phone and credit card with calls pinpointed from Maine on the day of Vicky's murder, mm -hmm. as well as statements from a store for new pants and shoes. Which I want to point out, Stratum, Exeter is about 30 minutes from the border of Maine. There's plenty of places they could have bought clothes much closer than Maine. Target? Sears, Colt, pennies. I can <laughs> think of at least 12 right now off the top of my head that are closer, that were also probably there at, in 1996. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> Seth didn't testify at his trial, but prosecution played a recording of a police interview where Seth said that he might have driven with Joseph to Maine that day because of the good weather. Yeah, so here's the thing. It was August. In August, it's always good weather, no matter what. <laughs> I was saying to you before we recorded, if it was like February and it was like 55, 60 degrees, hell yeah, you go up to Maine and you go whatever. August? 
good weather? Yeah. It's every other day. Right. Why that day specifically? That is not a good excuse. No. No. Vicky's doctor testified that Vicky had told him that she wanted to stay overweight so that her body would be difficult to move if she were killed. Which is so tragic and also, in the most morbid way, ended up being true. Because mm-hmm. when Joseph testified, he did say that they had to stop a few times because she was getting, quote, heavy when they were transporting her body to the car. So, as morbid as it sounds, you know, the fact that she had to even think forward like that is awful. It's so sad. Imagine as a doctor, or like, we're both healthcare professionals. Yeah. Imagine someone telling that to you. I would immediately go to mandatedly report that. Because that's so awful. Oh my god. The defense team theorized that Seth's then-girlfriend Mary Jean Mm. and Joseph had murdered his ex-wife after having an affair and were framing Seth to take his money. Mm. Mm. So that goes along, too, with them painting Joseph as this, like, sexual being, this sexual deviant. Mm -hmm. The 14-year-old is having an affair with his adopted father's girlfriend, and they're scheming to murder Vicky. And Seth didn't murder Vicky because his son and his girlfriend did, and they were having an affair. And, like, where are you getting any of that? That is crazy. Yeah. And then also... There was somehow recordings of phone calls that Seth had with Vicky where he tried to pin it on Mary Jean again. And he said Seth was obsessed with Mary Jean. He, like, loved her so much in that she was going to leave him unless he won both the alimony and the custody. So now he's saying, like, I love this woman. She's going to leave me if I don't kill Vicky because she wants blah, blah, blah. She wants custody of the children and she wants the money. Okay, but, like, what mm, anyone but him. The, right. The narcissism. And honestly, too, straws grasping. Absolutely. Reaching so far, just barely touching Clawing. the <laughs> Whatever he can. And he's not even close. And, of course, the defense, their whole thing was trying to discredit all of the witnesses and the people testifying. So, of course, they tried to say that Joseph was a you know, a sexual deviant and he sexually assaulted this girl at school and he was sleeping with his dad's girlfriend who was probably like in her 30s, whatever. Right. Okay. I think she was. I think she was like 38 or something. 32, 38. Um, They tried to discredit Sandro Studo, who was Mm -hmm. also testifying by claiming that he was saying whatever he had to because he was only going to get five years in jail in return. So whatever he would say, whatever he needed to, whatever he was told to. And then, of course, they were trying to say that Mary Jean was deceptive and hostile and a woman. So why would that, (laughs) you know, why would she be telling the truth? She's hysterical, probably. Right. Yeah. So they were doing everything they could. And I think it might have been because they knew that Seth maybe was a little guilty. And so they had to do everything they could to get everyone else to look guilty, too. You know, kind of take it off Seth so much. And it didn't work. It didn't work. (laughs) No. No. So ultimately, Seth was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Despite this, he appealed one, two, like 17 times oh, since then. Oh, God. On August 9th, 2020, Seth appeared before a court to ask for his conviction to be set aside. During this hearing, Seth complained of gagging on the mask he had to wear, mm-hmm. 
because again, October of 2020, mm. he was acting like, to be totally frank, a complete little bitch. No, that's completely fair. Ugh, I'm gagging on my mask. Just set this aside and we can all go our separate ways. Like, fuck you. You know that if he was out and about, he would be the kind of person that would not wear a mask in a establishment that says masks are required and then freak out and then like start video recording and saying like you're infringing on my rights Hippa. yeah literally Hippa. literally that's you know he would be exactly like that and then he'd be open mouth hacking all over yeah <laughs> yep. that's him yep he said that there should have been a character witness called during his trial and he claimed that a detective's notes of an interview with a hampton new hampshire building contractor that knew seth personally made him look bad mm. yeah it was Narcissist. That. Yeah, it was that that made him look bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Seth claimed that the detective edited the statements the contractor made to make Seth out to be, quote, a cold-blooded murderer. Well, he... Okay. It's almost like he is a cold-blooded murderer. <laughs> Weird how that works. He also claimed that the contractor came to him years later and said that the notes weren't accurate. Mm -hmm. Seth stated, mm -hmm. Mr. Morgenstern, my words, not his... Thinks I'm a saint. He says I'm not a murderer and has very detailed observations of my behavior on many occasions. Sure. Seth said the contractor told the detective he believed his girlfriend and son were responsible. Neither man was called to testify. Hmm. Quote, the, the state's whole case is based on the theory that I would do anything my girlfriend said and that I was a horrendous person and Morgenstern attacked both those things. Well, like, the thing, this is the weird part, though, is that he is a horrendous person. <laughs> like, check boxes all over. <laughs> Assistant Attorney General Elizabeth Woodstock, I love her. I love that. Said, quote, whether Mr. Morgenstern says that I believe Mr. Bader's wonderful, he's the moral equivalent of Mother Teresa, that is not going to change the testimony of the eyewitness and Mr. Bader's son. Yikes. She shut it right down. Yeah. Basically, I don't care if this man you're pulling up out of nowhere that you said should be a character witness for you. And definitely exists. <laughs> sure. He says I'm a saint. His words, not mine. Yep. No, yep. Take those words and shove them up your ass. First of all. Because how are you going to sit in prison and the only thing you can think of is being made out to look bad. Right. And you cannot recognize that you were made out to look bad because you did it to yourself and you are bad. Right. You don't just look bad, you are bad. Right. You're evil. Right. And can we point out the whole Mother Teresa thing? How <laughs> she's actually like a really bad person yeah. and did a lot of awful things and is not a saint? Okay, no? We're going to gloss over? Okay. Maybe he, you know what, it's probably because he was in prison when it came out mm. that she was not a good person. <laughs> so he was still kind of like trying to use that and was like, who can I compare myself to? The Gandhi? No. <laughs> Einstein? No. Oh, Mother Teresa? No, 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 no. He clearly didn't get the memo. Yeah. I hate him. This man is putrid. Mm -hmm. He is disgusting. He is vile. He is manipulative, narcissistic, and genuinely a human Q-tip. <laughs> of the fattest and grossest degree. I hate this guy. I just can't believe 
Oh my God. And this poor woman, like she was going through so much. She had lost two children, had finally been able to have a baby of her own, Mm -hmm. had gotten these two bonus sons and was so happy and treated them very well. According to Joseph's testimony, treated them very well. And then had that taken away from her and then continuous harassment for way too long. Years. Years. And then, of course, suicide attempts. Like, you know this was really serious for her. And then to be murdered by somebody who you once loved and tried to create a family with. Mm -hmm. It's heartbreaking. I, I am so sad for her. I am too. I am too. I'm glad Joseph finally came around and was like, okay, this is awful. Here's where she is. And I think he did the right thing. And I also think it's not entirely his fault because he was a child. Agreed. He was absolutely coerced into it. And he was probably a little scared, to be honest. Definitely. Definitely. Because if Seth pointed a gun at him, Mm -hmm. grabbed him by the throat, what else was he doing before that? Mm -hmm. What did he threaten Joseph with if Joseph didn't help him? Mm -hmm. Just the list goes on. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sad. And, uh, you know, it's just, I'm just so glad Vicky got justice. And I'm so glad that Seth Bader is still behind bars. Mm-hmm. 100%. So, guys, I want to know what you think about this case. Do you think Seth Bader killed his wife? If your answer is no, go back to minute, like, four and just listen again. <laughs> Because he absolutely did. But I just want to know what you guys think, like, in regards to, like, Joseph and, like, um, you know, his level of guilt and, you know, the harassment. Like, it's just awful. So tell us what you think. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at TrueCrimeNE. All lowercase. And you can send us an email at TrueCrimeNE at gmail.com. We, of course, have a website. You can go to our handy-dandy submission tool where you can let us know your thoughts on this case, other cases we have covered, cases you would like to hear us cover in the future based in New England, please. If you leave your name and decide not to be anonymous, although that is an option as well, we will give you a shout-out at the top of the episode if you suggest a case to us and we end up covering it. Absolutely. Thank you again, Jen, and thank you again, Phil Corey. Yes, thank you, guys. Very appreciated. And, of course, this story is the worst. Mm-hmm. So, thanks. It's a good one. To, it's very interesting to talk about. Yeah. Especially the dynamics of, like, harassment and, you know, this custody battle thing and how it really, really, really can affect people. Understandably, it's your children. So. And don't forget, guys, if you want, you can go onto Spotify, give us a star review, or you can go onto Apple Podcasts, give us a written review, or a star review, or both. And with that, we'll see you next week. Bye! Goodbye!